Good evening, folks, and welcome to episode two of Inbound Shots. It is actually a late night episode, uh, recording just after 10 o'clock at night on Wednesday, the 20th of December, in the lead up to Christmas. My name's Craig Bailey, and I'm here with Moby Sadiq from Inbound Buzz and Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found. So, if it feels like a long time between drinks, that's because it is. The last time we did this was the last year when we came back from Inbound. So, it was like nine months ago or so. So, you guys have been ah. holding out. We're finally back with Inbound Shots number two, our second crossover episode of Hub Shots, of course, and Inbound Buds. All right. So what are we going to chat about tonight? We've got three topics, really. And you actually mentioned we, we had dinner before uh, the show. It was it was a long dinner, can you tell yeah, me? Yeah, I'm but, really uh, struggling. We had some, <laughs> we had some uh, topics we're going to chat about. And the first one is you raised this topic of after the ebook. So do you want to explain what that concept is? And then we're, we're just going to talk about some of the ideas that we had. It's, it's really interesting. So for... Not every industry, but for some industries, they're getting a lot of ebook fatigue. So, the, the question I, I like to pose to a lot of people is when's the last time you actually consumed an ebook? Like, consumed, like you downloaded it and you read it through and you actually learned something. So, whether or not it works or not, I think let us talk about that in a second. But I think for a lot of industries, there is a lot of fatigue when it comes to ebook. So, we start talking about what comes after the ebook. So, I'm, I might as well kick off with one of the ideas. Yeah. The, one of the ideas was, is what I'm calling is the deconstructed ebook. By no means is it an invention. When, we, I, when you hear me talking about it, you'll know that everyone's kind of been doing this, but it's a nice approach, approach to look at it. So, of course, when you get a deconstructed anything, when you go to a cafe, you get a deconstructed, I don't know, pan, uh, like a crepe. It's just uh, a barista's or a cafe owner's lazy way of just smashing everything on a plate, right, and unpacking it. So that's what I'm sort of saying when it comes to ebooks. So one of the things we want to try with some of our clients next year as opposed to locking up an ebook that is getting declining click through rates in certain industries at the moment, is actually unpacking it because packed into an ebook, it is getting zero, zero SEO juice. That landing page for that ebook is not going to rank. Uh, the guys from marketing school, Eric Sue, Neil Patel, they do a lot of this. They've been doing it for a long time. Some people might call it pillar content, but the idea is take your ebook, unpack it expand that on a page it's going to be a long page and then there's a couple things you need to keep in mind so of course the content has to be good i think that goes without saying having a way to navigate to the top quite easily and then using the pages or the sections that you would have in your ebook using that as anchor links almost like a table of content so you can kind of jump around okay let me ask you what's the biggest problem with that what's the what do you think is the problem with that craig now that we we're doing it this way well so let's go back what's the goal of the page because before the ebook the goal was to get an email address or a contact in the database so now we're saying well do we still have that it's ungated and we're chatting about ideas where you can still actually have offers on that page and so it's a balance between those benefits isn't it you're actually unlocking seo benefit in some ways and also shareability it's very rare that people on social would share a landing page to an ebook, unless it was fantastic, in which case they might say get this mm. ebook. Although often, quite often, they share the thank you page, which kind of defeats the purpose. But you're getting some benefits. But then we were looking at, well, how do you actually make sure you don't lose the original goal mm. of the landing page, which was to get to gate it and get contacts. And that's kind of some of the things that we're talking about. And you had some ideas as well. Yes, I'll, I'll kick one idea off, then I want to hear what you guys think. But and one idea could be simply saying a real simple one, get a PDF version of this page. It's really not that hard. There are a bunch of plugins. Chances are, and I actually would recommend if you have eBooks that are getting dated, that aren't getting those conversion rates, is trying this ID, like not just shelving it. Even if you have an eBook or an offer, a lead, or lead magnet, whatever you want to call it, you haven't been using, unpack it, give it another life. You've already done the hard yards anyway. It's literally paying someone just to unpack that for you. But yeah, but I'll offer someone a, a PDF version of that and say, look, if, you, if you're too busy to read this, 
read it later, get a PDF version. version. So you're still then kind of capturing something. But then we had some, some other ideas too on how to get that in. Well, just on that, you've had experience where this whole idea of using a PDF version of a page is actually quite effective. Yeah, it is. So I think that's something you can try. We've spoken about this before, is just giving people that option. I think they, for some reason, think there's greater value in having the PDF. So offer it. And again, our motto is test and see what works because that's what's going to make the difference. I think that's right. And you mentioned at the start this whole idea of it depends on the industry. So don't take this as a rule across all industries. We are seeing ebook fatigue in some, and especially in marketing circles, which we are we have that part bias. Of. Yeah. We, and if you're in marketing, downloading marketing uh, ebooks, you're probably doing that less. But in other industries, it's still very relevant, mm. and you can still. And we certainly some industries where it still works phenomenally well. And then others where we're seeing the same. Yeah, yeah. You raised that point because I was like, I had my marketing industry blinders on. I'm like, it's not working. Uh, I asked my own clients, but I asked them, you know, how many marketing ebooks have you downloaded, you know, and read? And they said no. But then you, you raised a good point. I think that point is around: is that is that market saturated? And that's why you're saying test and measure, Correct. test in each industry. Yeah. So I think another thing, guys, is that think about other things that you can offer. So things like quizzes that actually take people through a process of understanding more about themselves, more about their marketing, more about what's going on. I think that's not something else we could try. You said before, people love to learn about themselves. So a quiz, you know, what kind of X are you? People want to know about themselves. Yeah, it's funny. There's a cycle. I don't know if it's like a donic, I don't know what the word is for it. It escapes me right now. But um, yeah, we're actually really selfish creatures. Humans, we're not that, that hard to figure out. Um, yeah, people want to know, but they want to learn about themselves under the guise of, uh, you know, learning about a particular area. So I think that's a good idea, in when you think about it, because, like, you're taking the idea of a quiz, which on its own um, is, a, is a good top of funnel yes. tool. You know, I would, I'd really sort of struggle to see examples where quizzes are a great bottom of funnel tool, but they're definitely a great top of funnel tool. But then using that as uh, like almost like a content upgrade yes. on that content piece. So like starting to use ideas together. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good way to look at it. Mm. That's right. And, there's other, and so what we're really talking about is different formats and different things to you can engage with mm. or interact with. So this idea of building interaction, we've seen similar to quizzes, there's calculators yes. that you have on sites. And then of course, there's the old classics like HubSpot have with their marketing grader, having a tool that you actually get some benefit or analysis out of and you have to put in your email address to get back that and result. You might find it might actually cost the same or even less. Like, you know, by the time you pay for a good writer, do research, not to mention all the man hours and design, it will take you a couple of thousand dollars to create a good ebook. Like at experience, it's going to take you that. It's going to take you a bit of coin. Unless you do the entire thing yourself and you use Yeah, I, I think the important thing though is it comes back, and this is why ebooks did used to be quite uh, quite effective because they were generally thought out well. They took extra effort to produce. Mm. So before you invested all that money on writing an ebook, whereas you could have just you know done a blog post, wasn't as expensive. An ebook was more expensive. So people thought about it: what pain point or what what questions are providing answers for? We don't just jump into calculators and tools and that because they're cheap, but because they are a bit more expensive, they make us think more mm-hmm. about the problem that we're trying to solve for our audience. And perhaps that is part of the reason why they can be more effective. Absolutely. All right, on from ebook fatigue, uh, the second topic we're going to chat about tonight was um, this concept. This is going back more to a macro kind of thing. Don't blindly follow industry leaders. And this is interesting to talk about because in marketing, we have lots of, uh, well, HubSpot, of course, is a, a dominant player in the marketing industry. And we hear things from 
HubSpot. We also hear it from some of the other big sites. Um, we could we won't list them all because we just be mm. <laughs> criticizing the whole industry. But the point of this is. Do we blindly follow what we're told? And part of the reason that we're going to push back and say no is because it is industry specific. So it's almost like an industry leader or a HubSpot, not that they do say this, but they could say, oh, ebooks, they're no longer effective. Choose something else. But we know from experience yeah. that it's actually case by case. Mm-hmm. They're, not wor- they're not working some, but in others, they're working really well. It's this idea of not following leaders. Did you have any comments on that? Yeah, so I'm not going to talk about in depth now because we talked about it in depth and inbound shots, episode number one, which I'm sure we'll link to in the show notes somewhere. Um, but how, the, like, just real quickly, outbound, like, outbound is not dead, guys. Like, it is not dead. Like, we've talked about to that to death, so I'm not going to mention it here, but when it's done strategically and you know who you're after, it's not going to die. Just explain what outbound is uh, as a few, yeah. Yeah, so outbound, you know, it's the act of, you know, it's so funny, a modern marketer would be like, well, what is outbound? Um, calling, like cold calling, picking up the phone, um, you know, in some forms of interruptive marketing. You know, and the definition of inbound is changing like the definition of SEO has not changed, but more it encompasses a lot more things. So like inbound before didn't include, and to your point, um, Craig, like you can't just follow the trend of this is what inbound is and that's what we're going to do. Because if you did two, three years ago, you wouldn't have done any paid advertising. And now you can't not survive without a paid component of your strategy for most industries. In relation to outbound and then paid advertising, that's an excellent example because we, and not only industry leaders in terms of HubSpot uh, and other companies, but even other partner agencies and many agencies, Mm. they're still still not doing paid advertising because they don't think it's actually effective. It's because they haven't tested Mm. it. And in some industries, it may not work. So they might have tested it and it didn't work. That's Okay. But to blindly just follow HubSpot's lead a couple of years ago and say, no, we're not going to do pay, that would have been a big mistake. And so the the point of this segment, I guess, in the show is just to chat about how easy it is to fall into that trap of just following this kind of conventional wisdom in the marketing space. It's it's, it's really, like even for us, like it's really easy to get intimidated and like, oh, everyone's doing it. We must, we've got to be doing it. You know, like we'll talk about video as an example later, but everyone's doing it. So we, we must be doing it. But um, you're really good at this, Craig. Like the litmus test is like, what are we trying to achieve? And I, uh, we we spoke a, uh, a little bit earlier about is that going to work with our persona? Like it's not about just doing inbound because inbound's working, or because Gary Vaynerchuk or someone is saying you got to do this and you got to hustle in this content. It's got it's got very little to do that because chances are everyone's consuming the same sort of stuff. So the concept of uh, lumpy mail, um, the idea of sending packages to a select group of your audience if you're in the b2b world i guess um with lumpy mouse so the idea that there's something there a sample that's going to work who's not going to open that now uh the i will talk we spoke about calls like there's so many things you you could be trying and this might be the most cliche clickbaity thing i'm going to say all night but forget about best practice and think about test practice nice i feel feel cliche even saying it but like if there's something that will make you remember Best practice doesn't apply for everyone. Often it's given by people who have done a plethora of other things. So test practice. Test. When it comes to opinions and opinions start clashing, say, you know what? You could be right. I could be right. Let's happy. Let's be. So you're actually wrong. saying general best practice is not so good, but specific best practice based on test practice is actually okay. Yeah. Because you've informed the actual tactics or strategy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's it. That's all I've got to add for that one. All right. So, so yeah, I'm going to say... I. Let's talk about 80-20. We've got to understand, test and see what works in your industry and master one thing that is actually working 
before you go on to try other things. Double I think down. that's a really key aspect because in marketing today, you could actually be doing 100 things. We all know. Like you could be on every social medium, but really it might not be the wise thing to do. You might actually be better off focusing on one, testing it, making it work, or maybe ditching it because it's not working before you start something else. So you're basically saying follow based on test results, not follow based on whatever flavor of the month. Exactly. I totally agree. I'll give you a few examples of what, here's things that jumping towards 2018, right? Yeah. So uh, Instagram for B2B. We're getting great results with it, with a few clients, not with all. In fact, Instagram's not working at all for some clients. Yeah. So if I, we just went on one or two test cases, we're like, oh, Instagram's hopeless. But we know it's working really well for some clients. So we're going to actually push really hard on Instagram B2B. None of the other agencies that I'm, we chat with, they're all like, no, Instagram's just B2C. And I think in the industry generally, Instagram is just a B2C play. That's the, that's mm. the conventional wisdom. Okay. But you can actually be really effective with it. And so test and measure. That's one of them. I'll tell you another one that I'm getting back into. I don't know if you've tried this. Have you tried Twitter ads lately? I haven't. I gave it a go a little while ago. Exactly. Yeah. I, I tried it a while ago. Didn't and work. Oh, it didn't work. Try it again. Twitter is actually really effective. Here's another thing to think. How do you get most of your information? You know, when you find great articles to read in marketing yeah. or great case studies yeah. or things like that, how do okay. you actually find most of them? Twitter. Twitter is a big, yes. I, I was actually thinking through my own behaviors, yes. not that that's reflective of, say, our audience, but for me, I actually get a lot of the best content I get from Twitter, right? And I think, oh, well, I get it from Twitter. Why aren't I using mm. Twitter more? You know, so test and measure again. And I think this is the thing, whereas if you're conventional wisdom in the industry, Twitter's be, dying. it's not Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting, isn't it? All right. On to number three, Craig. So speaking of not following the industry leaders, let's chat about video. And this is going to be slightly <laughs> controversial. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, the conventional wisdom would be that video is where you should be putting so much focus and your strategy mm. should all be a video strategy. Now, I know it kind of is in some ways for you. Interested mm. in your thoughts because I'm actually going to push back and say it's not for me and I think you're a bit in the middle. Um, yeah. So you're going to get the, the range of views here. And what's interesting is that none of them are right or wrong, but they're actually uh, horses for courses, as we would say. So do you want to kick off on what your plans are? Yeah, so this, this was really interesting. So, like, it's, it's amazing how much we, like, clashed on this initially. Because, like, for me, like, I want to double down on video. Like, I think, and the reason why I want to leave this example for now, because we're talking about video, but I guess a bit of a conduit to one of the other things we spoke about, what comes after the ebook. I've, I noticed a really good example by HubSpot where, they actually didn't do an ebook. See, with HubSpot, they can almost try everything, right? But they didn't do an ebook. I really like the strategy of they gated video. So it was about SEO, um, you know, the what you need to know about SEO in 2018, whatever it was, it's, not, it's irrelevant. But then it will we'll link to it in the show notes as well in some capacity. But then it was a series of six questions. And see, these six questions, the videos varied from anywhere from two and a half minutes to about six minutes, right? And I thought that that was perfect because like, no one, you, you do a sample survey, it'll be a lottery, you'll get excited if you find someone who reads an ebook. But with this particular offer, I think it resonates. I think you can offer snippets of that video. And I like anything you can transpose in other mediums. Mm. You can take snippets of that video, use it in your Facebook ads as the hook, then get people there and say, look, if you're interested in one of these six questions and answers, and it was like, how do I find out if I'm listed on Google? How do I find out if I have duplicate content? How do I find out what I'm ranking for keywords? How do I find out what people are searching for? Like, Questions that most of us, at least two or three resonate in two or three different ones. Mm-hmm. So I thought that's great. 
And going into 2018, I love the idea of snackable content. It's not a new concept, but I think it's a concept that with waning attention spans and people like definitely our persona, like marketers, um, you've got to think about snackable content. So I think video is ideal for that. So I'm, I've, I'm going to be doubling down on video. But Can I just say, do you want to just explain what snackable content is for a few people who may not be familiar with the term? Yeah, so snackable content, the idea that you can consume content very, very quickly where you can, the start to the end, you can consume very quickly. And snackable content, I, 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 I would get, I'd hazard a guess that it came out of the idea that, you know, you're at lunch or you're on your mobile phone, you're on the train and you're just, you're just consuming content. You're just binging content, like net, you're Netflixing on content yeah. and you can pick up these nuggets really, really quickly. So, yeah. so I think I would say Google calls that my, micro moments. So people are having these micro moments all through mm. the day, wherever they are, and you're basically feeding them in those micro moments with snackable content. Yeah. One question, yeah. one answer. We spoke about this earlier, the top 10 that you guys do on your podcast, which, yeah. which, which gets a lot of good feedback. That itself, an example could be, you could have something on that. Like whether or not you take the episode and you cut it up into two different formats mm-hmm. or you use that top 10. So the top 10 creative ideas, yeah. you, you take an idea that's almost impossible to sell and you come up with 10 ideas. That's great. That, that, that itself could be snackable content. It's almost like a BuzzFeed type article, yeah, yeah. you know, for what you guys yeah. do. But I, I want to kick it too because you had a very different great idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you pay me for it once you get sponsorship dollars. But I want to kick it to or both of you guys, but firstly yourself, Craig, because like you had a very different view of that that I had on this. Okay, so my view on video is well, I don't like video. Um, so because you've got a radio face. And you said, I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have radio faces. But I think that's been established. But uh, anyway. Well, I don't like creating videos. So this medium is uncomfortable for me. But it's less than that. It's more, and I do have a bias because I don't consume much video. I mean, I do watch YouTube a bit. But whenever I want to find an answer to a question, uh, I personally like to read it. Mm. And so whenever I get a result and it's got a video, I skip that. Uh, and a good example is, say, the Moz Whiteboard Friday. Yeah. So great content, there'll be a video there. I never watch the video, I read the transcript. That's just my personal consumption style. What's interesting about video, though, that uh, you alerted me to is that I actually put more weight in the Whiteboard Fridays because it has a video. And so it's almost like the video is a confidence indicator to me, even though I never watch it. I actually read uh, the actual text and images underneath. So anyway, then putting those two together, I'm like, you were saying, well, play to your strengths but also play to what your passion is. Because if I, I keep hearing the industry and we interviewed Brian Halligan on the show and he was saying, got to be in video. And so I'm aware that really smart people that have done the analysis are saying video. And I know I don't want to do it. So I've got this kind of conflict. What I've decided is I'm actually going to play to my strengths and I'm going to do the stuff that I do like doing because it'll be consistent. I'll be more passionate about it and we'll have more, provide more value. But the other thing is because I have my own bias that I know I don't like watching video, I'm going to assume that there are some other people like me as well. And so while the rest of the world goes off generating all that video, maybe I'll be in the smaller segment now that is still providing that content Mm. for the people who do like it (laughs) in that format. I am, of course, then weighing that up with the fact that what I said before, Moz has more credibility because it has video as an example. So I'm still kind of conflicted. But I'm pushing back on what the industry is telling me that I should be doing. I may be wrong. I quite often am. So I might come back and look at this episode a couple of years and go, what on earth was I thinking? But that's kind of where I'm, I'm actually pushing back against the video. I think it's getting too many people just jumping on board. And the other thing about video, sorry to just hold the, the microphone at this point, but the other thing about video is it's got to the point where people are just producing rubbish 
They I walk around that. with a video. They think, oh, I've got to do more video. Oh, I'll take it. I, I really hate the, that. It's almost yeah. like, oh, I've got an opinion about something that has popped into my head. Well, the world better be, you know, that's worthy for the world to see. And it's just wasting time. And so you're getting all this noise. And perhaps the video, that strategy, if there is one, is really it's got to be around being very targeted and providing quality mm-hmm. for a specific set of questions or a specific audience rather than just churning out this junk that social seems to be pushing. You know, when you said snacking, the thing that when I think of snacking is mindless eating. And <laughs> I, I guess I'm for mindful eating. I'm for mindfulness mm-hmm. and quality content that I consume and solves a problem. Maybe that's just me and I realise that I've got my own personal biases about that. That's kind of where I sit. Ian, what do you think? You're probably more in the middle between us. You're a bit more no, I balanced think, than Yeah, me. look, I think it's important. And I think it, like I look at the behaviour of my kids and they're on YouTube every day. So, mm. so they are consuming content, be it entertainment, be it something educational, be it toy reviews that they're looking at. And, and it's really fascinating to see their pattern of behaviour. And I think like we all sit on this journey is that understanding, A, who are we talking to, where is it going and how we're communicating with our audience because, you know, as we've met people that listen to the podcast, people, some people have actually told us, I wish you guys would talk more about what you guys are interested in, more about your businesses, more about some of the journey as opposed to being always talking about marketing or HubSpot or things that we're so focused on delivering value about. Mm. And so I think Mm. that's what we've got to understand. Like on this journey, what are we trying to do and how we're adding value to those people and what do they want to hear? Because we get very little feedback. And so I think it's, it is interesting. And I, I did, I'm in that camp where I want to do more of it, but I'm probably a bit unsure about it. And I just probably need to pull the plug and just do it. Just do it. You're speaking about like us and reflecting on yourself. I don't think it can be lost, the point around play to your strength. Mm. Like, as look, unless your strength is completely different to what your persona is. Like, so, for example, if you're running nursing homes and, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm sure they consume the same content we do, but, I don't know, for whatever reason, like, give a stupid example, they don't listen to podcasts, then maybe don't do a podcast, right? But if that's the way you're learning and and whatever, use that as your, as your strength. So, Craig, like, if you were to try to master video it will take you 10 times longer than someone who that comes naturally to mm-hmm. you know if your if your strength is, is writing or whatever it's going to take you know someone else who's not a very good writer 10 times longer mm. and it might not be worth it so like I, I think the advice that I, I give to myself first and foremost and to everyone else don't be pressured by the flavor of the month I think you raised a really good point uh, uh, Ian uh, Craig um both of you guys actually don't be pressured by what the flavor is of the month. Like if that's your strength, double down, like you might double down on inbound content, Craig, but it's going to be 10 times better than someone else because it comes more naturally and easier to you. Mm. Yeah. And, and then you transpose it to video. Yeah. Video. And don't forget mm. you can get someone like Moby to do your videos. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, you just got to find the people that can I do have a music video. I can do videos. <laughs> So, yeah, but writing, I might not want to we'll, write. We'll yeah. put that video of you for Inbound uh, as a link in the show notes as well. But, yeah, so I think, I think one of the things we were talking about earlier is how do we better repurpose content and videos are part of that mix, right? So mm. if, if we don't want to be in front of the camera, can we actually do it in a different way? But we don't have to be in front of the camera. So we could actually use our voices overlaid with a yeah. presentation of some sort, right, which enforces what we're talking about. 
doesn't yeah. actually have our faces on it. So Excellent point. It could, that's another way to think about it. It's not about us always talking to the camera or us filming ourselves walking around. Look, as long as it's inbound marketing and helping someone make an informed purchasing decision, who cares how it's delivered? Yeah. You know? So a quick recap of the show. We basically started talking about after the ebook, this idea of ebook fatigue and some ideas. And we talked about formats there as well as other mechanisms. Don't follow industry leaders, be informed by them, but don't follow them blindly. And then, yeah, I look at video at the end. So one thing I, I need to say as a bit of an insight, you mentioned this, Craig, and I'm like, I have to say this. I think the age of like that, that unless you're Gary Vaynerchuk or Ellen, don't get a smartphone, please. Like out of respect for yourself, you know, we, we care, we do this because we care, we're passionate about what we do. Unless you're Ellen or Gary Vaynerchuk, do not get a camera there and you know, today I'm going to talk about how my day and it was so great. And like I've heard influencers say, I give you permission to put yourself on video. Like, you know, no one needs to give you permission. Like that, that is, so I think the standard is going up. Well, 12 months ago, you could do that raw style because people weren't doing it. You also have to realize that the standard is going up. So, you know, for God's sakes, make, make them a little bit more professional. I think that's an important distinction because actually when I say I'm pushing back on video, it is certain types of video that I'm pushing back on. I'm not pushing back. So screencasts, and you were mentioning this format before, I think that's still very worthwhile for, well, it is part of content repurposing. I think it's a very good way. But it is that, I think it's that mindless video that hasn't had thought put into it, Mm. which is what I'm pushing back on. And while that might sound obvious to push back on, it's actually what I think a lot of the industry is saying you should be doing. And I think that's right. I have seen those same kind of comments i give you permission just get out there just do it it's kind of like saying to people just create a blog just start putting out random thoughts like sure do it but don't assume that that's a strategy mm. that you should be doing to gain an don't audience do it to be brave like yeah. yeah it's not that's not the point to be brave do it to practice know? maybe but not uh, in the in the mindset of it being a strategy should that's we leave it that's all i'll say on that yep well, thank you for joining us. We'll see you another eight months. No, I'm kidding. We'll do this. We'll do this more often. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Please give us your feedback. And yeah, thank you for me. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.